You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. It's Friday. It is uh, August 5th. This portion of the program brought to you by PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Folks, a full-scale nursery and garden center. Stop it and see them. 3688 Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. They have a fantastic selection. My goodness. Vegetables, the biggest tomatoes you've ever seen, great zucchini and squash, cucumbers, PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. And remember, if you're, you know, it's nice to have privacy for your property. It's even nicer as if you have a natural barrier. And check out, they, they have abravite that can go to even 11 feet i see sometimes people they'll plant you know maybe and they do have the three foot ones but how many years does that take as opposed to you could go and purchase them at pr landscape materials and garden center look for them on facebook but then it's instant natural barrier right you don't need a fence you just want a little more privacy and it always looks nicer if you just have something planted stop it and see them steve and debbie and junior and byron they're open seven days a week Folks, it's PR, Landscape Materials, and Garden Center. Well, uh, folks, it is Friday, and I want to um, start off with uh, this situation again that it's going to continue to play out, and we've talked about it, but it's the story with Alex Jones. And I, I'm i going to disagree with, I know some people are trying to say it's a freedom of speech issue. I, I, don't, I don't think it is a... Um, uh, a freedom of speech is- issue i don't think it is i i think this is a matter of he dug himself into a hole and and i'll tell you Infowars. at one point they um i mean he they were rolling at Infowars. he was i mean the money was pouring in views and clicks and it, you know at one point he was everywhere youtube he did very really well but things just got out of hand and and a problem for alex jones is this isn't okay it's over he he's got two big he he's first of all they're back in court again today and he's got two more cases after this but i want to play for you you know what he put those people through from with the sandy hook shooting it, it was unnecessary it was cruel his supporters calling up and and they they trusted him so this is just one family that's getting four million, but there's more money coming. I want to play. There was a, a good piece on this on the uh, the Today Show. Who lost their young son in the Sandy Hook shooting. A Texas jury ordered far right conspiracy theorist Alex Jones to pay them more than four million dollars for his false claims calling the massacre a hoax. That number could go even higher with jurors weighing other damages today. NBC's Ann Thompson is on the story for us. Ann, good morning. Good morning. The vote was 10 to 2 to make Alex Jones pay for his lies. The money falling far short of what the parents asked for, but their attorney says it's a good start. This morning, a victory for justice in the defamation trial of conspiracy theorist Alex Jones. And I will accept this as a verdict of the jury. A jury ordering the InfoWars host to pay $4.1 million for the lies he told about the 2012 Sandy Hook School Massacre that took the lives of 20 children and six educators. Sandy Hook is a synthetic, completely fake, with actors, in my view, manufactured. Alex Jones did not show up to hear the verdict, but the parents of six-year-old victim Jesse Lewis did. The same parents Jones claimed were so-called crisis actors and who brought the suit against him for the pain caused by his unfounded tales that it was all a hoax. I can't even describe the last nine and a half years of the living hell that I and others have had to endure because of the negligence and the recklessness of Alex Jones. Jesse was real. I am a real mom. And there's nothing that you could have found because it doesn't exist that I'm deep state. It's just not true. It was only this week during the trial, Jones finally admitted. It's 100% real. Hours after the verdict, Jones took to his InfoWars platform with this response. I admitted I made a mistake. I admitted that I followed disinformation, but not on purpose. I apologize to the families. And the jury understood that. What I did to those families was wrong. 
but I didn't do it on purpose. Jones went on to claim that's why he wasn't ordered to pay even more. Neil Heslin and Scarlett Lewis asked for $150 million in compensation. The jury's $4.1 million falling short of that number, but still far more than the $8 offered by Jones' attorney, a dollar for each claim. It's really, really nice to be able to turn and look at my clients and say he can't get off scot-free for this. He can't. And Anne, this could just be the beginning for legal problems. This was just one family right. suing. Well, he's got other lawsuits that he's facing from the other families. He also has two potential areas of real trouble from this case. One is a potential perjury charge for lying on the stand. And the other is the attorney for the family said they had, he had been contacted by the January 6th committee, which is looking into Jones's role in the rally and riot that happened at the Capitol. They want those text messages mm -hmm. that his attorney mistakenly turned over perjury potentially criminal charge he was um he was in with the oath keepers uh they were kind of his uh, bodyguards again folks you're listening to the john DePietro show the uh alex jones even if you're a supporter even if you believe it was his first amendment right um i i think it's one thing when they they took this tact as far as it was fake it was staged act uh, crisis actors the whole thing was made up uh, none of it was real people believe that that's one thing i think where uh where they completely underestimated was then the people then started harassing the families i think i mean i don't know but i think that's a part that they they didn't see coming because when they started with this and that sandy hook was all fake and that none of it was real and those were actors and and again i i remember in real time talking about this number one i was live on the air when it happened and we, there was the first time I'd ever used Twitter to kind of walk through. We totally uh, abandoned programming in, in a manner that, that I just went to repeating, you know, what I was seeing. And it was from credible Twitter sources, by the way, reporters in Connecticut media that were there on the scene as, as it was happening. But I do recall afterwards communicating with people and hearing from people and i was thrown by that like well like what do you know what are you talking about what no you know somebody i i don't remember exactly the names but they were callers and they were almost like laughing like you believe that that those because they had the small little you know white caskets for the children um but so i think at the time because as someone that has followed this um where, where some of these things stem from i remember you know years ago being on the air and especially when it really flamed up was after 9 11 because they were big onto that but with 9 11 there were so many different people i mean i had someone uh call into my radio show at the time after 9 11 it was a you know it was like the fall of 2001 and they were saying that those were um they were all mannequins on the planes and that the the people on the planes were in Canada and that none of it, none of it happened. And, and I remember afterwards or someone calling in this guy, Tony from North Providence saying that's an Alex Jones listener. And I think that was one of the first times I'd ever heard of him. And cause I, you wondered like, where is this coming from? Something I thought was just totally preposterous. They were hundred percent in on that. Nine 11 was the, the government had done it. The government was behind it. Uh, they were they were big on that and and went deep on it is what i i wanted to say and so that was the first time i had heard of that i think with this it just got so carried away and um and again the the difference between uh 9-11 and, and also with sandy hook was with sandy hook it was that much later because there was so much social media then established and so many more people were on it and i think they were content as they they were cranking out money because they were getting so many views and um so much traction on that it was all false because they they did that they didn't just do it for like a day or a week this went on for weeks and they dug down deep on that but I think that's, and, and this isn't a defense in any way. I just think what they really underestimated were these maniacs that actually started continuously harassing the families 
and saying they were liars and actors and really going after them. So, all right, a lot more ahead on this Friday. It's the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 885 4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508 252 3359. Propane heating and cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 folks who are listening to the john DePietro show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at our website which is topetro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, he is uh, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys, and our legal expert is attorney. Uh, Sandy Hook. It was almost 10 years ago uh, when the Sandy Hook massacre uh, took place. And these parents have been going after Alex Jones, and they finally found themselves in a courtroom with Alex Jones. And um, I mean, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts, but. Uh, Alex Jones and what's going on right now with this trial is is almost the textbook definition of of why you don't approach things in this manner if you're someone like Alex Jones. The only expression that does it justice is, oh, my God, (laughs) it's just just unbelievable. Um, Well, he's he's finally run out of cards to play, I think. And not to, not to make light of any of this. I mean, this is all underscored by an unspeakable tragedy. But this guy, Alex Jones, as we know, through his InfoWars um, uh, communications and network, uh, claimed for years that uh, Sandy Hook was a false operation, that it was yeah, a phony fake. Made up by the government in an effort to promote uh, the notion of gun control and to enhance um, gun legislation and to undercut Second Amendment rights that citizens have. Um, Obviously, it was always patently false. Then he tried to fall back to say, although it's um, now he's acknowledging that it's all true, that these children all did die. Um, They all died horrific deaths. Um, Uh He now understands that what the parents have been saying all along is true. He's met the parents. He's contrite. He's apologetic. But he still contends that Sandy Hook was something that the government somehow knew was going to happen, and they sat by and let it happen so that they'd have an argument to be made for uh, undercutting the Second Amendment and to um, take away gun owner ownership rights um, without any substance, any proof, any facts, any anything. So now he's in court in Texas. Um, there's two cases in Texas. There's one case in Connecticut, I believe, where the parents are pressing for damages. They've yep. already proved that um, what he put forth was false that he defamed these people, that they were subject to years of harassment by people accusing the parents of dreadful things, that their kids were still alive, that they were part of a government conspiracy, that they shouldn't be doing this. And really, um, from all, all people from all sides and all nooks and crannies of social media and elsewhere, you know, excoriated these parents, made their lives a living hell. Terrible. And now Alex Jones is offered to pay per victim, I believe, $280,000 to try to settle this. And the parents are like, forget it. You know, Mm -hmm. you've got to learn your lesson here. 
Alex Jones has now testified that if the jury um, awards anything north of, I think, two or three million dollars, he'll be destroyed. But he will stand by, you know, and honor whatever the jury decides to do. Um, I've seen clips of his testimony. Um, The parents lawyer had him on the stand. And yeah. it's a lawyer's field day to have an idiot like oh. um, Alex Jones on the stand. He attempted to parry with the lawyers. He would attempt to not answer the questions. He would attempt to answer the question by putting forth his own version of reality. Um, the judge was constantly scolding him. This is not your show. You're here to answer questions. You're not here to question the attorney. Um, over and over again. So the jury has to really have a strong distaste for this guy. And John, as we know, the the cherry on the the uh, Sunday in this particular case is Alex Jones' lawyer. I mean, anyone can make a mistake, but this is a doozy. Yeah. Alex Jones' lawyer, apparently Alex Jones had provided his legal counsel with two years of all of his text messages. And I don't even know how to do it because I'm not that great with technology, but Alex Jones' lawyer somehow mistakenly um, forwarded two years' worth of Alex Jones' um, text messages, etc., to um, opposing counsel to the lawyer for these parents who now has has it. Now, it's a a thing that, you know, you hope never happens, but when it does, Alex Jones' lawyers at least could have run into court or done something to try to say, this is attorney-client material, it's not to be used, it was obtained um, not voluntarily, but through a gross error, through gross negligence, but Alex Jones' lawyers didn't do anything. They didn't, they didn't try to invoke attorney-client privilege. They didn't try to go get um, any uh, extraordinary orders from the court to you know, make this all inadmissible, to get a protective order, to do something. So, so now um, the lawyer for the parents has got Alex Jones on the stand saying, you know, you've testified in the past to such and such. You know that your lawyer sent us all of these text messages. He claimed he didn't have them. Yeah, well, he claimed he didn't have them. So now Alex Jones is up there backpedaling, saying, "I'm not good with technology. I don't know what my lawyer did." You know, play, trying to play dumb, but it goes to the heart of his credibility. He said, "I don't have text messages." Lawyer sends opposing counsel, the enemy. You know, in a legal setting, that's the enemy. Um, right. This information which essentially destroys your client so wow. it's it, it's it's i don't know how it could get worse for alex jones except that he's going to get tagged with you know a multi-million dollar jury award which he'll never be able to pay he'll take appeals he'll go through the appellate process and again this is the first of three trials that, that are looking to assess money damages against him and you know, it, it's it's an astonishing thing that his lawyer did an astonishing mistake. Um, very regrettable. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how a lawyer recovers from such an error as that. But at the end of the day, Alex Jones, I believe, John will get what he deserves because yeah. this has been ten years of punishing torture for these parents. Not only did they lose their child. They've been harassed, defamed, tortured, yes. you know, ridiculed, chased yeah. around, um, harassed through social media, telephone calls, emails, texts, um, person-to-person confrontations, all because of the lie that this guy has perpetuated for 10 mm. years. He deserves whatever's coming his way. Tim Dodd, I almost think uh, in some ways it's unprecedented, but what do you make of the fact that the judge saying, you know, you, you said you're been you said you cooperated with discovery. You didn't. Um, I have to remind you, you have to tell the truth. And what about her line to have? It, it, it doesn't mean it's true just because you claim you believe it's true. Like defining the truth for him. I just don't remember Tim Dodd seeing that type of interaction with someone on the stand and a judge in a courtroom. 
No, and I think that, you know, I think the lawyer for the parents, I don't want to say is getting away with a lot, but yeah, Alex Jones has turned this trial into such a circus. Recall maybe a week or two ago, we spoke about how Alex Jones knowingly <clears throat> was speaking within earshot of the jury outside of court, but within earshot of the jury saying that how this is, you know, a kangaroo court, the trial's a joke, this is all to undercut free speech rights, to undercut the Second Amendment, be careful what you do out there, because what you're doing will undercut constitutional rights. The judge finds out about this, castigates Alex Jones, tells him not to do it anymore. But at every turn, Alex Jones has try to create confusion and chaos it, it, it kind of it, it's not analogous but the the antics almost remind me of the trial of the chicago seven where they tried yeah. to turn that that trial into a complete media circus the media loved it it gave them lots of crazy stories to report and this guy is doing it seems to me something similar just to create as much mayhem confusion um, and chaos as possible. Um, I'm sure he would like to have a mistrial um, created so that yeah. the judge could tank this case, this um, you know jury panel, etc., and start over again and try to keep some of this information that's come out away from a, a future jury. In fact, Jones' counsel has already moved for a mistrial, and the judge has said no way based on what's happened so far. No mistrial yet. And I'm sure Alex Jones will do everything in his power to create an environment or say things or do things that will try to force the judge's hand to create to uh, call a mistrial, which would be unfortunate. Tim Dodd, and again, folks, so speak with our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, can you just touch on before we break where I do have people emailing me. He has freedom of speech and what about his freedom of speech? Do you view this as a, I, I don't view this as a freedom of speech situation. Well, no, Alex Jones pitches this as a freedom of speech issue that what he's doing and everything he has said is protected under the First Amendment. And, you know, the First Amendment is not um, without its limits. As we've discussed on many different cases, yeah. if if I slander you verbally, if I libel you in print, if I defame you and you are damaged and my statements that defame you are um, communicated to third parties, and if what I say is either something I know to be false or if I say these things with reckless disregard to whether they're true or false and you are damaged... I have the right to say those things, but I also have to suffer the consequences right. of the fallout from saying those sure. things. And the fallout can be that you can sue me for money damages because you've been harmed by the things I've said. So when Alex Jones is out there saying this is a free speech issue, no one is objecting to the fact he can say these things all he wants, but he's going to suffer the consequences if the words that he speaks are false or whether he says them without knowing whether they're true or false. So and just fi finally, Tim Dodd, he did admit, okay, it did happen. The only explanation is at one point when they were cranking it up so much, I think Infowars was doing 800,000 a day because of ads and views and clicks. And it, I, Absent, I, I can't see any other explanation other than they were repeatedly saying these things because people were listening, paying attention, and it was. Yeah, it worked. I mean, yeah. I think the judge brought up the fact that at that 800,000 a day clip, that his business would have grossed about 300 million right. in the year that was being discussed. Yes. Yeah. So, so. The, I can see his motivation for saying these despicable things because he was reaping a ton of money. Yeah. But again, that money that came in, it's, I don't, I don't know how much of the money that he was grossing, he still has from these businesses, but mm. whatever he gained in the short term, I think he's going to lose all or most of it in the long term. If he hasn't already lost it, spent it on lawyers uh, and yeah. 
you know, his 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 network, his business operation is just largely in the toilet at this point. Too much trials to go. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. Now, as we have now learned, the jury has decided against Alex Jones. Part one is to the tune of four million. Now, they will be returning today, Friday, and there could be more tacked on. Plus, he has two more trials coming up after this. So the $4 million was just out of the box. It, it should be and could be higher by the time the weekend rolls in. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care, urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine, diagnostic treatment service, AtMed Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals, they're a cost-efficient healthcare alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical, orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from covid you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. We're speaking with our legal expert. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, going overseas, uh, obviously been a high-profile situation with this WNBA star, not NBA star, but female, apparently was in Russia, was somehow... With, I don't think it was a lot of drugs, but was found with some element of uh, marijuana. She's been held. The Biden administration, they were looking for her to be released. But, I mean, I, I'm not exactly sure how it works in a Russian. Boy, they really dropped the hammer on her as far as a sentence. Well, yeah, I mean, did she violate Russian law? Fine. And I'm no expert on Russian law. I know what I've read in the uh, print media but clearly she's caught in a political crossfire here. Mm. Um, she, I guess, played for a uh, team from Russia uh, in the off season of the NBA. So she goes over and they find in her luggage um, vaping material and hash oil. So yeah. hashish is a derivative. It's got THC in it. Yeah. And she is arrested. Now, number one, she says she was mistaken. It was a mistake that this um, material was in her luggage. She didn't know it was there. She doesn't know how it got there. And when they found it, they asked her to sign papers acknowledging that it was hers. She said she didn't know what she was signing because of the translation issues. And, you know, she didn't know what she was doing. And she went ahead and signed. Neither of those are particularly good defenses anywhere no. you know you in the u.s or clearly in in russia mm. she also comes up with some doctor saying that she has a, a medical card from the u.s that she needs this um, hash oil and vape material for a chronic pain condition well if she needs it for a chronic pain condition and she's going to play in russia and she can't get this stuff in russia it would make sense that she brought it with her to Russia right. to treat her continuous chronic pain issue. So yeah, the you would, change, she doesn't know how it got in her bag. I mean, you would think that she thought, I mean, I thought she would, might have said, I thought my medical marijuana card would work in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. But, um, yeah. you know, Russian officials have said, you know, we don't care if America is so stupid sure. to legalize marijuana and let everyone be addicted to various drugs. But that's not the way we do things in Russia. And we right. don't stand for this. So she goes through this long and very um, peculiar trial from 
from United States jurisprudence um, perspective, a very odd trial um, with almost a foregone conclusion. This, this crime in um, uh, Russia carries a maximum sentence of 10 years. She gets nine and a half years. Wow. And, you know, that would be served at a Russian labor camp, which huh. is... I, I think far more hellacious conditions than we would find at a place, for instance, like the ACI. It's not, not a place you want to be. So now she's going to take an appeal through the Russian court system, which one wouldn't think will be um, successful. So she's going to ultimately be assigned to a Russian labor camp and Russia is going to use this for political um, pressure because they want uh, certain folks that we have um, under arrest in the U.S. returned to Russia in exchange for her. And we also want to get, I believe it's a CIA guy who's been kept in Russia for some time. Right. And this is all happening with the backdrop of the Ukrainian war going on. We're helping Ukraine. Russia's having a hard time winning over there. And, you know, Griner unfortunately finds herself in the crossfire. And it's in large part, you can look at this as a political prosecution because they're using Griner for the international uh, pressure yep. uh, that's being brought to bear to force action on the part of the U.S. and to embarrass the U.S. So it's, it's a twofer. And ultimately, you would think there'll be an exchange of prisoners, um, her and the other gentleman I just mentioned coming back here and one of their bad spies that we've got going back to Russia. Um, it's unfortunate for Griner and her family. Um, it, it's, a, it's a really difficult situation. You can compare what's happening. Remember years ago, Paul McCartney got nailed for bringing marijuana into Japan, and he was yes. in jail for about a week. And he yes. gets out of it because there was no, you know, international conflict going on like there is between us and the uh, Russian government. And Paul was able to dipsy doodle his way out of it. And any other person who did what Paul did would have been looking at years in jail under the Japanese system. But he got that fixed rather quickly because he had no value for exchanging prisoners or anything else, but Griner certainly does. So I think she'll be there a while, but ultimately there'll be an exchange. It's um, it's tough when people get jammed up on these situations overseas because we all learned that the justice system in other countries, you could get caught doing this type of thing in Saudi Arabia, you'd have real dire consequences. Um, there's many places that if you did what she did, um, the consequences could be go to Singapore and do what she did. You'd be in real, real, real serious trouble. That's right. So the, the world is not like the United States um, no. in the way it treats drug crimes. Folks, we're speaking with our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, uh, two years ago, we uh, that's the first time I started really hearing about this case about Breonna Taylor. Um, there's been a lot of different misinformation about it, but apparently I, I believe it was no knock warrant. Um, she was living with someone that, they burst in. Um, I believe he had a gun, but anyhow, she she was an innocent victim, but she was shot and killed. And it, talk about investigations dragging on. Here it is. Later, and, and what do we make of these four officers now that are being charged federally? Well, yeah, this is another time where you know the state might not have chosen to um, charge these officers, but the Department of Justice steps in and files its own charges. You know, we saw with the George Floyd situation, there was both a state prosecution and I believe a federal prosecution. You know, look at uh, Rodney King years ago. The cops got off on the state charges. That's so right. they got hit with federal charges, ultimately convicted. The cops here in this Breonna Taylor case um, were... were we're not cops to be admired. Largely, they weren't the they weren't the cream of the crop, to say the right. least. Um, one of the cops was fired even before this because he is. Um, it, it appears that he lied and otherwise misstated facts, misrepresented facts in order to get a search warrant. 
So here's the here's the Department of Justice with Merrick Garland saying that this cop uh, lied on an on an affidavit in support of a search warrant, which was presented to a judge. Does that sound at all familiar like, with mm. what went on with the whole Russiagate thing that That's they were right. filing false affidavits? Gee, I don't recall any real consequences for any of the participants no. who lied on those affidavits to get those FISA warrants, but I guess every case isn't treated the same, unfortunately. So the cops know that this boyfriend or have reason to know that this boyfriend isn't involved in the, in the drug trafficking trade. They create an affidavit, which apparently is not completely true. They misstate the fact that they think boyfriend gets mail at Brianna's apartment. Uh, and ultimately, they, based upon the false affidavit, get a judge to um, approve a no-knock warrant. So the cops just burst in. Brianna's there. Boyfriend's there. So they got it right, at least the fact that the boyfriend was going to be there. The cops come in. Now, if it's a no-knock warrant, you know, you're sleeping in the middle of the night. People burst in. And assuming this boyfriend is involved in the drug trade, it could be, you know, um, another gang of drug dealers who are coming coming in to confront him. You don't know who's coming through the door. So he gets up and he shoots. And he shoots one of the cops. In response, the cops start blasting away. Four of them, I believe, they fired 32 rounds into a small apartment, um, killing uh, Brianna Taylor. They hit her six times. So these four cops are being charged with a number of things, use of excessive force, one of them for lying to get the affidavit, uh, for obstruction, and for filing... Um, they're trying to cover this thing up after the fact by, you know, when the aftermath of this was investigated, these cops weren't telling a straight story about what really happened, how they got the warrant, etc. cetera. Um, is it a defendable case? It's one of these things that we've talked about before. You walk into a situation and shots are being fired in your direction what are you to do return the fire or stand around and say let's assess the situation yeah (laughs) it's it's a hard split second uh, decision that has to get made so from a criminal standpoint the actions that these guys took may be found to be excessive and criminal or it might be found to be reasonable you know this is going to be another case john where there's going to be a battle of experts. They're going to bring in police training experts as to what's the appropriate protocol when faced with this type of no-knock situation. You go bursting in and shots are fired in your direction. What are you to do if you're one of the officers going into an unknown situation? So it's also interesting to note that the lawyer for Brianna's family, Ben Crump, who has been extraordinarily successful with these types of cases, has already settled with either the the town or the police department for something like $12 million. So the family has gotten, it'll never bring Brianna back, and it's a tragic situation, but they've already got their pound of financial flesh, and now they're looking to get um, punishment of these four officers who were involved in largely concocting a situation to try to get the boyfriend, which ultimately resulted in Brianna being, you know, wrongfully and probably unjustifiably killed in the crossfire. Also, if you recall, after she was shot, you know, they did call for an ambulance, but the cops were all apparently huddled around a fellow officer who was shot in the leg and survived. And none of them paid any attention to Brianna, who was on the floor bleeding out, which also, I think, created understandable, legitimate outrage in the community at the time. Folks, uh, another quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd, right here on The John DePietro Show. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 20 years' experience, specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. 
Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now, 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. We're speaking with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. And uh, Tim, you know, it's interesting how uh, in Rhode Island at the State House they passed, all right, from now on, there's a limit on number of magazines. Well, the Burgle Town Council president, uh, he's decided, you know what, not so fast. I don't think that this is constitutional, and I'm, I'm not caving to this uh right away and bringing up that you know at the very least feels that this should be challenged and 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 i don't think he's necessarily wrong with his approach on this well the the magazine um, legislation that passed um i think will be determined to be unconstitutional uh there were a number of carve outs that were attempted and failed to pass which probably would have enable this thing to pass constitutional muster, but um, to make those holding high magazine weapons, um, giving them six, I think six months to turn them in, or they'd be guilty of a felony because they would be breaking the law by having such a weapon with such a magazine in their possession, I think is unconstitutional on its face. The, the whole system that Rhode Island has and what's was passed by the General Assembly, I, I just don't think will stand up if appropriately challenged in court. I know Peter Narona has said he's confident that the Rhode Island law will be determined to be constitutional. But separate and apart from the magazine issue, the way we do it in Rhode Island is virtually or the same or extremely similar to how they do it in New York. And New York was the state where an appeal was brought to the U.S. Supreme Court, and it was determined that the New York system was unconstitutional. It left too much discretion to um, local police departments to not simply approve or disapprove, but to inquire, why do you want this license? Why do you need this gun? And that sort of twofold situation where you had to convince a local police department and then convince the attorney general's department uh, was, was stricken. And I think that our, the way we do it will be determined to be unconstitutional. And this magazine business, they could have fixed it. They could have grandfathered in those holding such weapons, but made it um, illegal going forward. But the General Assembly wouldn't go for the carve-out. And I think that the failure to uh, do a carve-out or grandfather in those legally holding such weapons dooms the legislation they passed to be found in the future unconstitutional. I don't think there's any other way it comes out. Tim Dodd, uh, Paul Pelosi, husband of Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who was just in Taiwan, um, any reason to believe that he's either getting special treatment or is this anything more that you see off the bat other than just it's it's a DUI case? Well, it's a DUI case. Apparently, there are serious personal injuries or at least some personal injuries. Right now, it's a misdemeanor in, in Connecticut, in, excuse me, in California, not Connecticut, in California. Um, this guy was driving his Porsche automobile, gets in an accident. Um, he... Um, blew a 0.08 or north of 0.08, which was the legal um, definition of being intoxicated in California as it would be in Rhode Island. Um, I guess in Massachusetts, the defendant does not have to show up for the arraignment. So his lawyer goes into court and pleads not guilty on behalf of the defendant. And I'm not sure if that's a COVID thing or if that's the way it's always been 
you know, in, even in Iran, they don't want the defendants to always be showing up in court because they just don't want more people in courthouses than necessary. Right. So the media says, oh, he was not in the courtroom. But I think that's standard operating procedure as of now in California. So, no, I don't think he received any special treatment for not having to appear in court at his arraignment. The only place he might be getting special treatment is if personal injuries um, resulted in this accident to the other motorist, this could all be upgraded to a felony. And if it is not, that could be seen in some quarters as special treatment. Um, so is it, would it be surprising if this does not get upgraded to a felony and folks will presume that there's special treatment? Well, it would only make sense. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, are you surprised that the judge, that they are not going to let Nathan Carmen out? And, um, and not only members of his family making a strong argument, but they truly think that he is still a danger. I, I was a little surprised that the judge didn't create something of, you know, a home confinement situation with, you know, an ankle bracelet and yeah. careful monitoring. And if the guy violated those conditions at all once, even for a minute, that you could throw him back in jail. You know, the prosecutors keep going on and on about how they think that this guy killed his grandfather. He hasn't been charged with killing the grandfather. No, that's right. There's no, there's no, forensics there's no weapon there's no witnesses there's no nothing um tying uh nathan carmen to the death the the shooting of his um grandfather you know do we all think he did it i think it's reasonable to suspect that he did it i don't think you can accuse him of it the way the prosecutors are there's a suspicion there's a strong suspicion it makes sense that he might be the guy but they haven't even charged him with the grandfather's murder. So that seems to be a fact being used to hit this kid over the head to keep him in jail, which perhaps shouldn't be. Now, he also stands to get money, okay, and he also has weapons. Well, those weapons, if they have not been surrenders, could be a condition of bail that, you know, he freezes his accounts and that he surrenders his weapons. So now he doesn't have the money to go underground and he wouldn't have the weapons to go kill other members of the family as, you know, the judge thinks he's a danger because they're in this probate fight and, you know, fight over money, fight over the grandfather's estate, fight over the mother's estate, the, the mom who went missing and is assumed to have drowned on that fishing adventure that Nathan took with the mother. But, um, I, I thought that the judge would have come up with some condition form yeah. of home confinement with very stringent conditions. But um, you don't know the full argument of what these prosecutors might have put forth in court. Um, it makes it very difficult for a defendant when, you know, he's only communicating with his lawyer pretty much, you know, if you trust the phones or a lawyer going out to the courthouse. It's much different than if, there's more of a free ability to meet with counsel as sure. often as you want to or need to, to prepare your defense and to get facts. It's a much more um, kind of stilted process if lawyer and client can only meet at the prison. It's difficult. And Tim Dodd, as we've mentioned, finally, this is not an easy case. I mean, their theory on the mother, they still don't have a body. It doesn't seem like they're ever going to have a body. That's, this is no layup at all. No, it's not a layup. I mean, okay, so the guy um, fooled around with the scuppers or something on the boat, which made it take on water. You know, he says, come on, mom, the boat's sinking, let's go. He turns around, he doesn't see mom. You know, there's nothing to suggest that he whacked her in the head with an oar to make sure she went in the water. There's nothing to, su to suggest that she's crying for help. Nathan, let me in the boat. And he doesn't let her in the boat. I mean, we could speculate all day long, but they right. really don't have the facts. The best thing if, if, and when this goes to trial is unlike the case where he was trying to get $80,000 for the loss of the boat, which was the most foolish thing this kid ever did. Yeah. But at his criminal trial, 
he doesn't have to testify. And right. the best thing would be to have a trial where he keeps his mouth shut and yeah. says nothing further because yeah. he's in this jackpot. He's in jail largely because the prosecutors were able to scour the transcripts of when he testified in Providence yep. and use his words against him huh. because his story largely didn't make sense. I remember during that trial, Judge McConnell would be like questioning of like, what? <laughs> what are you saying? Because yeah. his story was peculiar right. and how he claims things happened largely um, you'd be suspicious of what he was saying because of the, what he did. If you recall, he said he didn't consider his mother part of the solution, but she was part of the problem when they yeah. were trying to get off the boat into the yeah. lifeboat. Um, so he, he kind of dug himself his own hole by chasing $80,000. If he had mm. forgotten about the 80000 he would have never testified. Right. They would have never been able to charge him, ever. Yeah. Folks, he is our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent job, as always. We'll continue to follow the Alex Jones case, and we will talk to you again. Great, John. Take care. Remain healthy. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401 401- 305-3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skin care, it's my health. Pop in and see Marie. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie. 401-305-3585. Diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. To the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique, original stories, videos, content. Log on right at the website, depietro.com. The Senadale Revival. Stop it and see them comfort food and cocktails. You're going to love the Senadale Revival. Located 2025 Smith Street, North Providence, right in Senadale, right across from North Providence Town Hall. Delicious food, delicious drinks, live entertainment on the weekends. Shane and his crew, they're waiting for you. A great time is going to be had by all at the Senadale Revival, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. <laughs> 